Well, thanks for praying with me. Uh, we're, we're coming to, a, we're, we're in Genesis 32. We're still in uh, the Back to Basics series. Sorry, brother. I wasn't sure you were still back there. I just realized, maybe, maybe Andy's with me there. Um, and we see um, a situation happening with Jacob. And this is a very, uh, a lot of times we come to these chapters as a pivotal verse or pivotal chapter. But this is a very pivotal chapter in the, in the life of Jacob. And uh, in fact, uh, it is, there's this big story that's bracketed by two events. And uh, we're going to look at both of those events. And the in-between is something we need to see. We won't spend much, much time there. Let me, let me just say last night, uh, we had a great time. Uh, our men's, we had a men's ministry just barbecue and a movie. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, uh, Pastor Bobby uh, told the men not to bring chips last week. Y'all remember that? And uh, we only had a couple of bags. One of them was mine. Um, <laughs> I planned all week. I knew what I wanted to make. I wanted to make a red rice dish. It's a low country specialty. Um, it's not just rice colored red. It's got tomato. The original recipe had bacon, but I like sausage. I got the, uh, the Cajun type sausage to put in it and, and uh, rice and all this cooked together. And I called my sister because she's, uh, she's the keeper of my mother's recipes. And I'd looked them up. I said, hey, Ruth, I'll look this up. But you gave me some hints before to make sure I'm thinking right. She said, I found a new recipe or another recipe is from Paula Dean. And you, you cook it in the oven once you get everything prepared. And it's even, it's foolproof. You will not mess up. Because I said, I only got about an hour left. I got to get this done. She said, well, this will work. So she sent it to me. And so in this recipe, you cook some stuff on the stove. Kind of like just saute your onions, throw your sausage in there, browns a little bit. And then you pour in all your tomato stuff, hot sauce, throw in your rice. And then you put it in a casserole dish, put it in the oven. 350, 45 minutes, okay? Just in case you were keeping up. So, but if you're going to put it in a casserole dish, you've got to grease the casserole dish. So our, our spray butter was out there. So I sprayed that dish really well. And I put it in there and I put it in the oven. And I went to clean up the kitchen for the mess I'd made. And I picked up that, that spray butter and I opened the cabinet to put it where it goes. And I knew we had two cans of, of that yellow top spray butter and there was two up there. So I looked at it. It was Lemon Pledge. <laughs> So I took chips. <laughs> I had no time left. Oh, yeah. Man, when things go wrong, right? Well, Jacob has just come through, and it doesn't compare. It was, he's just come through a horrible, uh, not a horrible, really great experience. But, but as I studied for this, I, I will not have time today to say all the things I would really love to get to. But, um, it, and, and so I'm, I'm going to just read scripture as I go today. Um, that helps a little bit. But I want you to take this home with you today. And that is there are no shortcuts to God's blessing. There are no shortcuts to God's blessing. If, if you're my age, you remember when um, the Karate Kid movie came out. And they've made several since. And they made a new one with Will Smith's son. And in there, the most famous thing everybody remembers is wax on, wax off, Right? Well, in the newer one, he says, take off your jacket, throw it down, pick it up, put on your jacket. Take it. So, so he would learn to spin and do all these blocks. I don't think you can actually learn karate that way, I'm just going to tell you. But what, what was the point of that? The point was he didn't even tell him what he was doing. He was preparing him for something later. And then he began to apply it. And that's kind of 
how I feel about where Jacob is because he spent 20 years with Laban. We said that last week. He escapes Laban, but one thing you and I didn't have in our mind as we were looking at chapter 31 is he's going from the frying pan and into the fire. Because now he's got to deal with Esau, his brother that he cheated 20 years ago, who said, I'm going to kill you. That's why he left. And now he is going back to where he started to meet this brother who wants him literally dead. And so I want you to catch that. And actually, Jacob makes a vow uh, to, to God back in Genesis 28. He prayed a prayer when he saw the angels going up and down the staircase. And he said this, If God will be with me and will keep me in the way that I should go, I will give and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I set up for a pillar shall be God's house. All And of all that you give me, I will give a full tithe to you. That's hardly a prayer at all. <laughs> God, if you take total care of me, if nothing bad ever happens to me, and you make me rich, I'll give you 10%. Woo! We just finished singing, take all of me, right? Which is what God does demand of us, that, that we, he may not take it physically, but that we willingly give him all that we are, have, and, and exist. And, and he had a vision of angels, but man, what a sorry prayer. So Jacob spends 20 years waxing on, and waxing off. And now God is ready to help him understand what's going on. And so we come to the first couple of verses in chapter 32. And these are verses nobody wants to deal with. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. Because they deal in the supernatural. The Bible doesn't tell us what's going on. I, I've been talking to people about this all week. And uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it this morning. But uh, where, where I grew up fishing, there were tidal creeks and you would come on places and you, you can find them anywhere where there's a, a big patch of vegetation. And in that vegetation, you know there's fish hiding in there and there'll be a hole. And we grew up using uh, what we, I would call a cane pole. They have modern ones now called brim busters made out of fiberglass. So you'd get one of those long ones and you'd flip it over there and drop it in that hole because you knew there was a fish in there. Well, that's sort of these two verses. It's a hole and a bunch of lily pads, and God is letting us know I'm here, okay? Listen to what it says. Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. So he called the name of that place Mahanaim. I spent all week trying to remember to say that name right. Mahanaim is how you say it. Jacob is met by the angels of God. Now, I want to back up to the last verse in 31. Laban arose and kissed his grandchildren, his daughters, and blessed them. And Laban departed and returned home. So we see Laban going one way, and Jacob went on his way. Now, what is his way? Back in chapter 31, God said, hey, go back to the land that I gave to your fathers and promised you. At the end of the chapter, Jacob tells Laban, I've got to go back to this land. This is what God told me to do. And so verse 1 begins by saying, Jacob is being obedient to what God told him to do. And that is a very important point if you want to see God work in your life. You've got to do what he told you to do. You see, in chapter 28, what was his prayer? God, if you'll do this and this and this and this and this, if you'll get me out of this foxhole, I'll live for you all my life. We forget those promises. Because when things go good, we kind of forget God. 
You remember the prayer, uh, I think it's in chapter 30 or the 30th chapter of Proverbs, where he, the, the, Lemuel says, don't give me riches nor poverty. Give me what's good for me, because if I become rich, I might forget you. If I become poor, I may curse you. Give me what is right for me. That ought to be our prayer. God, give me what I need. Give me what you need to give me to do your will. And so we see here just kind of a hint. You, you, you might could infer from those words, Jacob went on his way. He's headed to where God told him to go. And as a mark that that is so, and the angels of God met him. I just want to pause there for a minute. The angels of God met him. Back in chapter 28, when he saw the angels, it doesn't say they met him. It says he was asleep, and he saw these angels going up and down a staircase between heaven and earth, wherever that is. They, they were coming and going. And there wasn't any really message to Jacob he just saw that wow God exists and he's with me kind of thing and so he makes that promise which now 20 years later is going to seem like not a great promise to make because it was so much so little I mean so I want you to understand something I'm going to just talk about angels just for a second this is in the Hebrew it's malach m-a-l-a-k is how we'd spell it and it just means messenger but always uh, the term for angel, it means messenger, same meaning of the word in Greek in the New Testament, which is angelos, where we get the word angel. It means messenger, but it's more than just a messenger. It's a dispatch messenger. They are sent with a purpose, in other words. Um, and, and so these angels are those that are sent with a purpose, but notice what it says about them. They're angels of God. It's really malach Elohim is what the term in Hebrew is. The messengers of Elohim, of the Trinity God. And that is what they are. And so there's a misunderstanding about angels out there. So I'll just give you a couple of facts and then we'll go on. And one that I didn't write down, but I want to make really clear. Dead people do not become angels. (laughs) They don't. Angels are created beings. Humans are created beings that are different than the angels, okay? And we are humans in heaven. They are angels in heaven. And never the two cross over, crossbreed. The fallen angels crossbred in Genesis 6, but not, that's not what happens to us at death. So let me get that one out of the way. But then I already told you they're messengers, dispatched messengers. And I just want you to know there are several kinds of angels. And, and you can do a study on all this. It's interesting. It won't really matter too much in your Christian walk. But it matters a little bit. There, there are different angels. There are some. The fallen angels, the Bible tells us, he put them in a, in a locked up place. They are waiting the final judgment. And you can read Revelation when he releases those. Um, and they come back. But Hebrews 1, 13 and 14 says that they are ministering spirits. That they are sent by God to minister to those to whom he sent. They ministered to Jesus in the garden. They ministered to Jesus in several places uh, in his life. After his temptation, they ministered to him. And, and I do believe that God ministers to us through his angels. But without going into great detail, let me also tell you, you don't get to tell them what to do. All right? They don't, you can pray to God and God may send them. But you don't get to tell angels, hey, angels, I need you to do this for me. That, that's crazy. So if you hear anybody saying that, you know, they're, they're wrong um, and, and could be even dangerous. And then in Matthew 18.10, it says that the special angels guard the little ones. And, and I would love to do a whole big study on just that verse. Because 
it's, in Matthew, it's not in the context of looking at children. He just says little ones. And we could be those little ones. Angels seem more powerful than us. We are kind of, we are, he made angels before he made men. And then he, God makes us. And the fallen angels get condemned. And when we sin, we get a redeemer. God himself's going to save us. So the fallen angels really hate us. That's why the devil hates us so much. But the good angels, the godly angels, the unfallen angels, they minister to us at God's command. You may or may not ever know when that happens, okay? Uh, but it's still, I believe that is a definite fact. But I want you to look at this verse, and that's just all I'm going to say about angels right now. Uh, well, no, let me say one more thing. When we think of angels, and, and by the way, the world is enamored by angels. They, they love to know about them. They make TV shows, movies about them, tons of different viewpoints and all that. And for the believer, we can also get curious and caught up in that, right? Why would you want an angel to protect you when God lives inside of you? Do you get that? They're very active in the Old Testament. They're active in the New Testament, but they're extremely active in the Old Testament. God sent them, but Jacob didn't have God living in him. God was with him, but he wasn't in him. And the Old Testament always refers to God will be with me. Now we say, but God is in me. The Holy Spirit lives in us. He's the down payment. And so if God wants an angel to help us and God comes. I was talking about this Tuesday morning with the men and I just started reading it Tuesday. Uh, just talking about it and Brother Doug's over there and he came and said, man, that was exciting. He said, I got an answer why you might, why God would send an angel when he lives with you is why would you send the general when the private can get the job done? I thought, that was a good thought, brother. I really appreciate that thought. And that's true. God may say, hey, go take care of that. God's everywhere. He knows all things that are going on. But, but I want you to notice this. They came to Jacob. It's not the sense that Jacob goes to sleep and sees a vision. It's that they meet him on the way. He obeyed God to go where God sent him. And God meets him with angels to let him know. Now, as you read that whole text, it does not tell us a lot. We infer a lot from it. So let me tell you what I inferred, what I think is going on. But I can't prove it because the text doesn't actually say this. But Jacob is the only one that saw him, number one. I don't think anybody else even saw them. Jacob saw them. When, when, when Saul became Paul, when he, get, when he came to Christ, uh, in two places it says the crowd heard a noise. The guys with, with Paul, when he got saved, heard a noise but didn't understand it. Another place it says uh, that they did not understand what was said. It, it says it two different ways. But Paul heard clearly and saw clearly what was going on. Everybody else knew something was going on. They heard a big noise, saw a big flash, but... It blinded Paul, and Paul heard what God was saying. I think that's what's going with Jacob. Jacob looks up, and there is angels there. But notice how many angels, because you gotta, you got to read the notes in your Bible about what Mahanayim means. Actually, it's in the verse. It says, this is God's camp. There are so many, he sees them as a camp. The word Mahanayim means two camps. All right? What are the two camps? Are there so many angels they can be divided into two camps? Or is he talking about his camp and the angels camp? But God has this 
I don't know the right military term, whether it be a regiment or a platoon, whatever, of angels. And when Jacob sees it, he says, oh my, this is God's camp. There's so many here. And we have other instances in the Bible where God opened eyes of men to see angels. Elisha coming to mind when the servant was scared because the enemy was coming. And Elisha said, man, don't worry, there's more for us than against. He said, what are you talking about? And he said, God opened his eyes. You can see what I see. And the mountains around him was surrounded with the chariots of God and the angels ready to do war on our behalf. Here, here's what I want you to understand. Here, here's the quick sentence of everything I just said. Jacob obeyed God and God was with him and took care of him period. How much more of that promise do we have when God said in Hebrews to us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That I will cause my spirit to dwell in you. That Paul said we have in these clay pots the eternal weight of glory. Why would you be afraid to obey God when you know that's true? Why would you be afraid to step into God's will when you know that you know that you know that you have God's presence with you. This, I mean, Job is the oldest book in the Bible. And you remember what he said? Even if he slays me, yet will I trust him. You remember what the three Hebrew boys said? They said, you can throw us in the fire. And the God we serve can save us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow to your king, to your God. Remember that? We see Paul, and he says, I'm going to Jerusalem. And every Christian along the way, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. They're going to throw you in jail, kill you. He said, so? This is the will of God. I don't care. I'm going to do the will of God. And God did take care of him. And God led a bunch of people to Christ because he was arrested and sent to Rome. From those first two verses, these angels have come at the command of God to take care of Jacob. And Jacob is walking in God's will. They came to him, and before Jacob even saw him, they had to be there. Before, Jacob didn't ask for him. They just were there. God sent them. Well, let me go on to the next part of that, or I won't get through everything. But Jacob now begins to prepare to meet Esau. Jacob wants to get ready. And we can't catch up with it um, there. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he, he took a bunch of his possessions. He said, now you take that when you find Esau. And he says, what are these say? These are from your servant uh, uh, Jacob. He, he wants to give it to his lord Esau. Um, and, I hope that, and he hopes he finds favor in your sight. So they do that. In verse uh, 6, they come back to Jacob. Said, we saw Esau and he's coming to meet you with 400 men. Now, Jacob just saw so many angels, he called it a camp. And this verse says, and then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Man, he's just like us, isn't he? Man, God could give us every promise. You can read every promise in the book. And as soon as trouble happens, you get scared. It's human nature. I get it. It's overwhelming. He's afraid of 400 men when he's got who knows how many angels on his side. But he's still afraid. We will be afraid over one man. The Bible says in Galatians, fear of man does not accomplish the will of God. And, he, and it, says, it says there that we should fear God rather than men. But we do fear men. Jesus said, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body, can't do anything soul. Be afraid of the one who casts both soul and body into hell. Man, that's who you got to be scared of. God, not man. And that's a place that we forget very quickly. So, 
he gets afraid, he's distressed, and Jacob comes up with a great plan. And without going into detail the plan, I'll, I'll give you the quick part of it. First of all, he divides everything into two. He says, so if Esau attacks one of them, maybe the rest can get away and we won't all die and I can do it that way. Then he sends three more groups of men with stuff to give to Esau, trying to soften him up. The book of Proverbs lets us know, your gift will make a way for a man and bring him before mighty men. And so he comes up with a great, great strategy and he implements that strategy. But I want you to see between chapter 28 and 32. The change in Jacob in his prayer beginning in verse 9. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac. Remember in 28 he says, well then I'll make you my God. He says, O God of my father Abraham and my father Isaac. O Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred that I may do you good. Here's a hint about praying. First of all, God has many names. Know the characteristic of God that you want to address and address him that way. The God of my father Abraham and Isaac and now it's me. He didn't say that. but that, And then he, then he sets down, you're the guy that said do this. I didn't come to you and say, hey, can I do this and you bless me. I'm not looking for you to bless me, so I'll give you 10% back. You told me to do this. This is your promise to me, is what, what he says. But then notice his attitude. I am not worthy of the least of the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. 20 years of wax on and wax off, and he realized that he wasn't the big shot. That he didn't deserve any of it. That it was all by the grace of God. And then he says, And of all your faithfulness you've shown to your servant, for with only my staff I crossed the Jordan. I came across the Jordan with a stick in my hand, and now I am two camps big. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him. He goes ahead and admits his sin. People sometimes are afraid to tell God what's going wrong in their life. Why? He knows it anyway. Just say it the way it is. Don't go and make up words so you'll feel better. Say what it is. I'm scared of Esau. Just tells him. I've got fear. And I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mothers, with the children. But you said, here is your promise. I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which could not, cannot be counted for multitude. Jacob gets it. Jacob has gone from being that guy he shouldn't be to understanding the will of God. And in that, now God is going to bring the point home. Look at verse 22. When you look at this, we kind of understand a lot. We're looking back on it a lot that we know. I'm going to back up to verse uh, 13. He stayed there for the night and, uh, and he puts up these presents and he sends them out and in verse 19 I mean I'm sorry down in verse 22 the same night he arose and took his two wives his two female servants remember he's got four women and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok and he took them and sent them across the stream with everything else he had and Jacob was left alone he stays alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day now, I'm going to give you, here's a spoiler alert. If you don't want to know this till the end, don't listen. But that man is Jesus. 
All right, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that. Anytime God appears to people in the Old Testament, it is Jesus. That's just a fact. We get that from Scripture. The Bible says that God, his spirit cannot be seen by any man. That God, uh, the Son, uh, left heaven and put on an earth body. Now, I don't know the details of how Jesus put on a body in the Old Testament. But in this case, when he met with Abraham, when he met with all these different ones that he did meet with, the three boys in the fire that we mentioned, he is in a body. And that night, he wrestles with Jacob all night long. Now, Jacob is old. I read he's, he's about 120, 122 now. And he's wrestling with God. Do you think God was really having to struggle? No. It's as, this is the application of wax on, wax off. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And when the man saw he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. The way that is worded, people just assume it sounds desperate. If he could touch his hip and put it out of socket in the morning, he could have done it at the beginning of the night before. He wanted to see, will Jacob quit? This is a never quit moment. Okay, Jacob, we're going to see how far you'll go. And by the way, I don't know if you've ever had a, a hip out of socket. Some of you have had hips replaced. And you know the pain. Can you imagine that coming out of socket? And he said, let me go for the day is broken. Now, I, I don't know why he would say that. But I know this, a guy with a joint out, uh, out of socket, it's time to give up the wrestling game. You've got no stability. You've got nothing to plant your feet on anymore. But Jacob keeps clinging on. It is a, it, God is making Jacob realize, you don't want to let me go. You don't want to give up. And Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And so Jesus, as we know it is, says to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. That's embarrassing. Jacob understands. We're going to see in just a second. He knows he's wrestling with God. And God says, what's your name? And he has to say the words the deceiver can you imagine Abram exalted father what's your name Abram you're not a father of anybody how you get to use that name I'm going to change it to Abraham and make you a father of multitudes you see what's about to happen is prophetic it is not factual (laughs) not really it's going to be But Jacob hasn't quite got there yet. But now mentally he gets it. And he says, I'm not going to call you that anymore. Your name's no longer the deceiver. Now you are the one who wrestles with God and men and prevails. Do you think Isaac prevailed against God? No, not at all. God won that fight because he made Jacob his own forever. He said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob down in verse 26. But Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. And he said, why you ask my name? You see, Jacob knew that was the I am he was wrestling with. He knew that was God. You don't don't want me to say my name here. And there he blessed him. And so he gets the blessing from God. And Jacob, now he stole Esau's. 
God gives him the blessing here. And so Jacob calls the name Peniel, saying, I've seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. He knew he should be dead, but he's not. And the sun rose up as it passed Peniel and limping because of his hip. And says to this day that Israel people will not eat the sinew or the thigh and the hip socket because that's where Jacob got touched. But can you imagine the rest of his life? You see, sometimes we don't want to follow God because we're afraid of what he might ask us to do or want to do. But there's some lessons here. Number one, Jacob did not quit. He did not give up. When he was so injured, he should have let go out of absolute agony. He held on and said, I won't let go till you bless me. That has become a byword for Christians through the time. We need, to, we, need to pray. we need to pray without giving up. We need to pray until God sends a blessing. We need to grab hold of God and wrestle with God until he... God wants to bring us through a process to get there. We live in a microwave society that everything is instant, instant gratification everywhere you turn. But God is in a process in your life. And if you quit, you will short circuit that. But Jacob wrestled with God and men wait a minute, Jesus was God and man, wasn't he? And prevailed. What does he mean prevailed? means you hung in there till I blessed you. Doesn't mean you overcame God. It means I made you earn it and you earned it. I'm going to give this to you because you hung in there. And there's something else that we need to see there. Can you imagine Jacob? Because the rest of his life... Up to now, I'm Jacob, he steals this, he steals that, he does all these other things, he's done all these great things, and now he walks like this. And I would gather to guess, I will, I will bother to guess that for the rest of his life, he went, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You see, those scars remind us of the grace and the will and the presence of God. You say, you're going too far, really? Paul said, oh, you say that you follow God and you follow the gospel and you believe? He pulls off his shirt. I bear in my body the marks of the gospel. Those scars that said he'd been beaten and shipwrecked, that shriveled skin from being in the ocean five days, those scars from being beaten with a cat of nine tails three times, that misshapen skull from having it crushed with rocks as he was stoned to death, and God got him back up. He goes, I, look at me. You better believe I believe the gospel. And somebody has said when we get to heaven, God might ask to see your hands and your body. See, where are the scars? Where are the marks? That you were willing to follow God that far. What a transformation. What a story. And his book ended by him seeing angels and then wrestling with God. God's provision and God getting her done. Well, what can you do this week? Don't go looking for angels, but always move forward toward Christ. Isn't that what Paul said? Having all this, one thing I do, I throw it away, count it as rubbish, and I press on toward the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ. And so, no matter what, always be pressing toward Christ. Secondly, planning without prayer is just a good idea. Jacob did some planning, and nothing wrong with that. But planning without prayer is just your good idea. And God used that good idea... But you better be in prayer. And then thirdly, and ask the big question, are you ready to be broken? Are you ready to God, for God to take away, as we sang, everything, just that Jesus can be more in your life?
That's a tough place to be. And so, I want to invite you, if you want to, to come down here and pray. And after we conclude all of this, we're going to, I need, we need to tell you something else. But we want to just take a moment. Just let's all stand up, close our eyes, bow our heads. If you want to come to this altar and pray, if you want to pray there, that's fine. But I'm just going to offer a prayer and ask God to help us, to show us his will. I, I, we don't need to ask God to make us willing. We need to be willing for God to make us willing.